Let's welcome back our very good friend, political columnist Moshe Hill. He writes a regular column in the Queen's Jewish Link. He's been featured in Daily Wire, many other outlets and publications. And, you know, Moshe always has a refreshing and out-of-the-box analysis. I'm always sitting here scratching my head, like, saying, why didn't I think of that? So, Moshe, great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me back. I love being here. Yeah, like I said, you, you earn it. I mean, even if you didn't, I think we'd have you, because we love you. Um, all right, what are your thoughts the weaponization of plagiarism by the Jews exploiting plagiarism to bring down anti-Semites who support genocide. <laughs> what do you think of that? Absolutely. Republicans pounce, you know. We pounce on plagiarism as a weapon <laughs> in arsenal to take down, uh, you know, black women who who deserve nothing but admiration and gratitude for being black women <laughs> in uh, high-paying, high-demand jobs. It's like, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing. My favorite line, what was this, sloppy attribution? I think uh, this CNN, some analyst on CNN said, look, the issue here is not, you know, that she stole somebody else's, stuff and claimed it's her own. It's it, it's just an attribution issue. Biden also, it's beautiful. You know, you just uh, neglect to mention who the author is. And apparently that whitewashes the whole thing. And it, it's like DEI, this exposes, see right now they are reeling these leftists because your programs, your insane quotas and your insane need for DEI has forced these people to, to cheat because you're not judging them based on merit. It's, it's 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 insane. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. The whole thing about DEI is that you know you try to um, get people. You, you assume that people cannot get to a place of prominence based purely on merit. So what you're doing is your your bigotry is twofold. You are bigoted towards the society that refuse that you refuse to believe can promote people based on merit. And you're bigoted towards the individual who you are elevating that does not uh, has not earned it because you do not believe that they can earn a spot based on merit. So you're bigoted every single which way, but you pat yourself on the back, you call yourself a hero um, at the same time. It's it's quite sickening, and it's just something that that we've been taking um, as just part of our society for. This isn't new. This has been going on since the 60s. Um, and, you know, at first it was like, okay, you know, we get it. It's Jim Crow. Like, there was active um, pushing down of black people in terms of higher education and higher um, learning and, 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 and advanced uh, spaces in, in, in corporations. And so, like, at first, like, it was like, okay, like, we don't really like this, but, you know, We've been actively pushing people down. So, like, maybe we'll give them a leg up. Like, in the 60s, it was, like, understandable. In the 70s, a little less so, and then a little less so, and a little less so. And then once it became, like, hey, we don't need to do this anymore, that's when they really, like, doubled down. Instead of, like, releasing the reins on this on this mentality, they doubled down on it, and they went even further and said, no, it's even more important now. No, it's even, it, you need it now more than you did uh, 60 years ago. And uh, I think it's coming home to roost for them. You know, it's coming. Exactly. Home. There's, there's a backlash. Exactly. And yeah. 
Yeah, and you're 100% right. I mean, the only way, you know, that they are the real racists. I've always said this to people on the left. The only way they get to keep controlling the narrative, like you said, is if they keep literally just squashing down the people that they claim that they're trying to help. And that's really, and, and control the narrative. And, uh, you know, they're the ones who keep them inferior. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's Orwellian. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I got into a little Twitter spat today with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones of the 1619 Project. Oh. Um, you know, I, I wrote, uh, she wrote that, you know, uh, you can't have a colorblind society or whatever. And I, I, so I wrote back to her, like if, if there was a really a, a colorblind society, Nicole Hannah Jones would not be a Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times columnist for <laughs> writing revisionist history. She would be handing out pamphlets at a junior college, you know, uh, uh, with her writing. And so I didn't expect anything back from her, you know, because I'm, uh, you can follow me at Hill with you, but I'm a pretty small account. And, uh, but she wrote back, it's like, like, Oh, that's what you do or something like, Oh, that's like what you do. And so, you know, wow. to her, I do have a very small presence, but my reply to her was something to the effect of, uh, uh, this is, Oh, this is a side gig for me. Like I can't afford to make a living on my writing. I just have too much white privilege. Like, <laughs> my white privilege doesn't allow me to be to be a full time writer and make a living off of it like you get, you know. And so it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like Nicole Hannah Jones is the embodiment of this. She writes revisionist history based on on lies about America, lies about where how America was founded, what we fought the Revolutionary War for, what our forefathers fought the Revolutionary War for. And she wins the Pulitzer Prize. You know, same thing with Ibrahim X. Kendi, uh, who, who said uh, that this is all just racism. He would not be uh, nearly as popular, nearly as, as prolific, nearly as wealthy if he was just, you know, if he wasn't base, uh, grifting based off the system. Same thing with Mark Lamont Hill, who said, uh, you know, the next president of Harvard must be a black woman. This guy is a anti-Semite, said in front of the UN years ago, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. He got fired from CNN for it. CUNY hired him uh, just a few months back. While they're going through anti-Semitism scandals, they're hiring an anti-Semite. So, like, all these people benefit off of this regime. So it makes absolute sense that they would grasp onto it with both hands and, and protect it as well as they possibly could. Great point. I never would have dreamt here we are 2024 and not only discussing racial issues, but that ra racial issues are in a certain sense as flaming, as divisive as we've ever, we've ever seen. And in that sense, moving on to the next one, which is Nikki Haley's comments about uh, slavery or lack thereof or comments about the origins of the Civil War. Um, what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah. So when I watched that video, my first reaction was she's giving a Ph.D. answer when a fifth grade answer is, is required. <laughs> like she's obviously very smart. Um, she obviously is not like pro slavery. Like there's not even a question. She's the daughter of two Indian immigrants who uh, was uh, raised in South Carolina, uh, became the governor, was the governor that took down the Confederate flag from the state house. Like she's obviously not pro slavery. What she so my read on that, on her comments, was um, she was thinking in terms of 
what causes civil wars because our country is so divided? Like, what would cause the civil war if there was going to be another civil war? Now, obviously, slavery isn't an issue today. So I think she was trying to give a more esoteric response that would apply to today, which she didn't use that as a defense afterwards. But that was my read on it personally. So but this is like a big problem with intelligent people in politics is that they think that everyone is going to think as intelligently as they do. But like people really respond to simple answers. Like, and it's not because people are dumb. It's because people want to be um, like, they just want to have the simple answer. You know, you don't need a complicated answer to a simple question. Especially nowadays in the the social media era and in the soundbite era where like a whole sentence is like really long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing we said last, we were talking the last time we we spoke, we talked about um, uh, the Elise Stefanik stuff and how like, that that the um, I think I was talking about this video that that the the hearings were like eight hours long, but all you got was that one sound clip, you know, from from the questions that she asked those presidents, right. and they gave the wrong answers. So that's what got popular. Like Nikki Haley has given 150 town halls and has probably answered ten times that many questions from people. But what was the only one we've ever seen on social media <laughs> was the one that she didn't get perfectly correct. I mean, that's just the way these things work, you know, and it's uh, and it's going to be I don't think it's going to really hurt her that much because she wasn't going to win anyway. But uh, it's a boo boo. It really is a boo boo. And yeah, no, I don't think it. Yeah. Like you said, it's not a major deal. It's a blip. You know, a lot of people have. But but I have a couple of things to unpack here. Number one. You're right. There's one person out there, one politician or not a politician who gets it, who understands the concept of the quick soundbite of the, of, you know, of the, of the slogan of the model that's catchy and maybe doesn't capture, like you say, capture all the academic esoteric nuances, but, uh, you know, really, really get, cuts to the heart of the matter. You know, whether the slogan is build the wall or make America great again or any one of those. And, uh, you know, the, the, the left is always accusing Trump of, uh, of not being accurate. And it's exactly like you just said, because, you know, Nikki Haley sitting there giving a dissertation and giving, a, you know, her Ph.D. thesis. And uh, and, and DeSantis, same thing. I go on these debates between when it's like Christy DeSantis and Haley and, and Tim Scott. Right. Or at the time, Mike Pence, uh, like going into the weeds and getting into all these nitty gritty details about deficits and about uh, percentages and numbers and all these things and giving a whole college course that nobody cares about. They want to, they want to hear locker up and build the wall. They want to hear like, you know, people slinging mud at each other and Trump gets it. Trump understands it's about branding and it's about persona and Nikki Haley, like you say, does not. That's one point. And, uh, well, I'll let you respond to that if you have anything to say. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Trump speaks to um, everyday people in an everyday common language. And it's you have to understand, like, we have the shortest attention span these days. Like, it's not that people are dumb. It really isn't. I think if you wanted to sit down with somebody and have one-on-one and have, like, a conversation about, like, the root causes of the Civil War, including slavery, obviously, but, like, it's obviously, like, more complicated than that, like in terms of um, like the history, the 40 year history that led up before that and the differences between here and there. Obviously, the right answer is slavery. But like there's also other factors. And if you want to have a conversation with anybody, anybody's willing to have it. But you're giving an answer to 
to a, a crowd. And that's just, and Trump instinctively knows that. He instinctively gets that and, and gains mass appeal that way. And uh, somebody like Nikki Haley just doesn't. Yeah, she just doesn't get it in that same way. No, they can't. They cannot do it. They cannot do it. It's, it's like they're so, so, so cerebral. Um, and I, and I kind of like Nikki Haley. You know, I think she, you know, I've always been a fan of hers. She did a lot of good stuff in the UN, but, uh, the, 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 he's just so head and shoulders. But also the, the, the response where the next day she was caving in and begging for forgiveness and she did not say anything inaccurate. As you say, you know, did she leave out slavery? We, we can get into whatever her reasons were, get inside her head. But, uh, I also think she was on the spot. You know, she knows it, it's a gotcha question. She, it, 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 the, the person was planted there hoping to get some kind of response that they got. So, I don't blame her for having her antennas up and thinking, you know, uh oh, let me say the least controversial thing here or something. But, um, you know, she walked into the trap. But then the next day, you know, I, if mean, it, I don't see how it's a gotcha yeah. question, though. I don't see how it's a gotcha question. She could have just said, like, what was the cause well, of the word? She could have just said slavery and then like got out well, of her way. Well, he, I, you know, you but, know? but yeah, but maybe they're studying. She's so careful to, to always be very bland and very vanilla. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, they got exactly the yeah. reaction they wanted. So maybe they well, kind she of. Wanted to give, she wa- yeah, she wanted to give a 20 word answer or a 30 word answer. She could have given a one word answer. <laughs> She's being like, she was just being too clever for her own good. She was being too yeah. clever for her own good. And, and, but, you know, people just want quick answers. But under the media scrutiny, you know, this is just a, a small example. But to me, you know, once she hits the big leagues, if if that would happen, uh, and whether it's now or 2028, but, you know, but uh, she's going to cave so fast. She's going to fold like a cheap suit. I'm saying Trump is the only one who no matter. I mean, he's he gets media scrutiny, uh, you know, on steroids, ex- exponential multiplied by a million. But uh, she just gets this little bit of, of a taste of it. And suddenly she's caving in and explaining herself and, and, and flip-flopping. And it's not true because he said to her afterwards, the questioner, well, what about slavery? And she's like, well, what do you want me to say about slavery? Like, it wasn't like, oh, it was obvious to me, slavery. Whatever, again, whatever her reasons were, I understand your point about why she didn't say it. But um, it's it just, did she, none of these people have the backbone for this. Yeah, I mean, the there have been a few. Um, Trump's obviously the best at it. DeSantis is very good at it. In the past, um, Ted Cruz has been very good at it. Newt Gingrich has been very good at it. Um, understanding that the media are the enemy of the Republican Party, more so than the Democrats are, that they will try and trip you up, try to, and you have to come back at them very hard. Um, Trump obviously is is the most aggressive, the best at it, willing to just say the media are the enemy of the people, and they're going to say he's violating the First Amendment when at the same time, um, the uh, Trump has been the most transparent president to the media, oh, probably ever by far. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden, the only interview he's done in the last six months has been has been with Conan O'Brien. So, like, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's apples and oranges, and but the media will never say that that uh, Biden is is hampering the freedom of the press, but uh, they'll say it about Trump. Yeah, and Trump is fearless. He'll go at it with, I mean, whether it's Jim Acosta or any of these people on the left, I mean, he has no progress. Chris Wallace to ask him tough questions. I always say the reason is because Trump, he's very direct. If you ever hear him answer a question, he he does not dodge the question. He's not afraid of, he doesn't start taking a poll and figuring out, you know, what, what are people going to think and how is this going to come across? He like, he has, he's really fearless. 
and uh, and yeah, and he yeah. gets zero credit. He gets zero credit. You know, they, uh, yeah, like you say, so transparent. And you know, they acted like oh, it's it's it's, it's so frustrating. Speaking of Trump, uh, Colorado, Maine, the, the the these people who who love democracy and who love the will of the voters and freedom <laughs> and liberty have okay. knocked Trump off the yeah. ballot. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, they, I mean, listen, it's going to get overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, oh, in a heartbeat. Gonna, the only, yeah, the only question is, is it going to be a 6-0 Unanimous. decision or is it going to be a, I had, is it going to be a 9-0 decision? Exactly. Exactly. And, I, exactly. And, Same thing. I think 9-0, by the way. I predict 9-0 because I think even, and, even they are, don't have the patience. Honestly, I think that it would behoove... Justice John Roberts, the 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 you know the chief justice of the Supreme Court, to go to the to the three Democrat appointees, to go to Sotomayor, to go to Katanji Brown Jackson, and to go to um, uh, uh, Kagan, Elena Kagan, and to say to them, "Listen, none of us want riots in the streets if this is a if 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 we overturn this and Trump wins, okay." It's going to get overturned anyway. If you say, and look at the law. Like, look, I'm not asking you to violate the law. Look at the law. Here's the law. If you go along with it, then there's less chance of violence on the streets. I don't know if John Roberts is going to do that. I don't know if that would affect Kagan, Sotomayor, and Brown Jackson. I have no idea. Um, But it would be in the best interest of everybody for it to be a 9-0 decision so the left, at the very least, doesn't, um, you know, try to uh, start impeaching justices and start going into all that and just more and more divisiveness. It's It would be the best for everybody if it was just a 9-0 decision. That being said, um, I doubt it's going to be a 9-0 decision. I think it's more likely to be a 6-3 decision. Um, so, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it's going to be, uh, 2024 is going to be an insane year. Like, let's just put it that way. Oh yeah. It's going to be a crazy year from beginning to end. Um, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I know to me it works if it's on a technicality where it's like, it has to be done by Congress. It can't be done, you know, or he has to be found guilty of interaction or something like that or, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I totally hear you. Wishful thinking. I'm not holding my breath. All right. Last question. I, I asked you about this last time. I think I'm curious what your thoughts are at this point with uh, the Israeli war on Gaza here. And, uh, you know, th- there's all sorts of reports about how Israel's letting up. They're softening. They're, be- they're, they're getting they're, they're they're looking for a less intense, more prolonged um, situation over there. Now, Netanyahu saying it's going to last the entire year. Uh, there are some targeted assassinations going on outside of Gaza, you know, in terms of the leaders. But um, what are your thoughts? I mean, the question really is how long can Israel go before caving in? Because they're under enormous pressure. You know, behind the scenes, it's unimaginable the kind of pressure they're under. Still haven't been sent any money, the billions they were promised. What are your thoughts about all of that? So, yeah, they're getting a, unfortunately, the casualties. Granted, it's like 50 to 1 in Hamas people killed versus IDF soldiers killed. Um, but the casualties in on Israel's side are, um, you know, it's 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 a tragedy uh, that you know, in order to save civilian lives, they are willing to put their own soldiers in in danger. Um, but 
you know, nobody wants to see more um, IDF soldiers dead. Well, I can't even say that. Nobody who agrees with uh, the fact that Israel has a right to defend itself wants to see more IDF soldiers dead. So it could be that they're taking a slower approach at it because they have full operational control of Gaza at this point. Um, they don't need to rush it as much. They're uh, hopefully um, uh, the rockets that are being um, fired from Gaza are are pretty much towards the tail end. I don't know how many they have left. I don't know if they're still firing. Um, I know as of as of January first, they were still firing, but. Um, Hopefully, we're gonna, they're going to be done with that. So if they have operational control of the area to the point where they can slow down and, and preserve um, lives, soldiers' lives, and lower the amount of, of civilian casualties, I think that would be best um, for everyone. The, the pressure that they feel um, from the... Um, uh, from the international community, I'm not sure if that's really getting to them as much. Um, I mean, I know that the United States has, has um, Biden has authorized arms sales. They have not agreed on an aid package per se, but they have authorized some arms sales. Um, I think that they're going to be um, keeping that in mind uh, going forward regarding if they're going to uh wait until a aid package comes before ramping up. I also think that they need to, they're not taking an eye off the ball regarding Hezbollah in the north, um, regarding uh, the, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad in, and, and uh, Palestinian uh, PFLP in uh, Judea and Samaria. Um, I know that Syria is looking to get involved in the Golan Heights. Um, I know that the Yemenite Houthis are, are involved um, Iran may take a more uh, aggressive approach. Um, so it makes sense that they would slow down a little bit in Gaza so they don't overextend. They don't want to spread themselves too thin. And so they don't want to put all their eggs in, in the Gaza basket because they have all these other fronts that are starting to, you know, test Israel to see if um, they can withstand multiple fronts. So it's going to be a, uh, you know, a year-long process. From the political perspective, it seems to me that Benny Gans is more interested in going full throttle in Gaza, and it's a guy who's slowing him down. Um, yeah. uh, meanwhile, in America, you have people like Bernie Sanders saying, well, if we got rid of Netanyahu, there'd be peace. And <laughs> it's like, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Like... <laughs> It's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, you know, I, I listen, I'm not a military expert. I, everything I see from Israel, I'm like, you guys do what you think is right for the best thing that you can do um, to protect the Jewish homeland. And, uh, you know, we're all really we're just happening from for them over yeah. here. Absolutely. All right, Moshe, always a, always a privilege, always a thrill. Uh, you know, I'm working, we gotta work on like a, like a nickname, like the great one, Moshe Hill. I, I get, it, it's sort of taken, but you know, it's something like that. It's, it's, it's apropos. So I'll work on that, but, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, we're doing this regularly now. So, uh, <laughs> it's already two in a row. So the, the plan All is right. working. All right. Uh, yeah. at, at, Twitter, at Hill with View. 
right? And uh, and, yeah. and the columns and everything else. But they, you went for on Twitter at Hill at View at, at Hill at Hill with View. We find that we're good to go. I, lo- I love your tweets. All right, uh, have a wonderful evening, and uh, we will be in touch. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Motion Hill on the Vin News podcast.